This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to this special edition of the Clark Howard Show as we continue covering the developments with coronavirus, how they affect your wallet, the moves being made to protect your health. I want to talk about how industry is trying to adapt to make the things that we need to make Americans safer. I'll talk about that later. Right now, I want to talk about the unfolding stimulus bill that's the third one that will go through a process of being adopted by the Senate and the House. And I can only give you the overreaching picture of how this will work because I'll tell you the truth, the people involved in drafting it really don't know for sure how all the layers will work out over the next several weeks. But in general contours, what has been agreed upon and not likely to change from this moment is $1,200 checks to individuals, smaller checks for kids and a family, and the goal of the government is going to be to get those checks into people's hands as quickly as possible. The reason there's new data today showing how many Americans are going to run out of money in the next few weeks, both American individuals and small businesses are facing a really, really tough time financially. And one estimate I saw is that somewhere around one in three American workers are just flat out broke after one missed check. So the idea of getting money to individuals is to try to tide people over till the economy in various states can start to come back alive. Right now we're in a position where not quite just under 50% of Americans live in jurisdictions where normal commercial activity has ceased. So whatever money people had at the time that occurred, well, that's all you got until and unless unemployment insurance payments start. And part of the legislation is to beef up the unemployment insurance program, put additional money into it. Now, for American businesses, small businesses generally don't carry a big surplus of cash. And according to research done by J.P. Morgan Chase, the typical business has 27 days of cash on hand if operations suddenly ceased. So that's why it's really important that part of this is a $350 billion loan program for small businesses. Now, I don't want to sugarcoat this because if you're a small business and you take a loan, 
and you've got no revenue coming in, when you rebuild your business, you're going to have the burden of rebuilding it and ultimately having to pay back these loans. So it's not like this is a panacea, but it gives you the opportunity to fight for your business another day when commerce restarts. Now, another part of the legislation that was a huge fight about is hospitals, making sure there's enough money going to hospitals so that hospitals will be able to deal with the extreme added patient load and the sudden expenses for the equipment that hospitals are going to have to have. And so that is part of this deal, likely somewhere around $100 billion for hospitals. In addition, there's money that's going to go to uh, cities and states to deal with the sudden cash shortfalls. I read a story today about the massive decline in tax revenues in the state of Florida. The state of Florida is a state with no state income tax, funds most of its operations with the sales taxes. Well, sales tax revenues, as you might have expected, have fallen way off a cliff, so Florida doesn't have the money to operate moving forward without some kind of assistance. And Florida is just a microcosm of what states are experiencing around the country. So money will flow to the states and local governments. As far as the exact amount of that, we'll see. In addition, there's a fund for big business. And the big business fund was a big area of controversy because initially there was going to be no oversight over how money was dealt out to corporations with a fear that the money would flow heavily to politically favored corporations and others would be starved for funds. So there's a new procedure that has been designed with an independent watchdog to make sure that as money is handed out to large corporations in what hopefully will end up being loans and not handouts, that that money will go where it's most efficiently needed and not where it's most politically expedient to send that money. Now, let me tell you how this is going to work with this legislation. Day by day, it will become clearer how different elements will play out, how you will get access to the funds, and how quickly you'll have access to those funds. And as that information becomes available each day, that there's more new significant information to share with you, I will do that with you here on the show. Because this is obviously a really rushed activity, and it will take a while to peel away the layers of the onion of this legislation and tell you if the cavalry is, in fact, on the way to help out and how quickly it will be there for different phases of the economy and your life. And, Kim, I want to go to questions now, if I could. And what we're doing, if you're not aware, is if you go to clark.com slash ask, post a question for me, and we're getting a ton of questions posted. 
And so we're doing this with Kim and Joel asking your questions as producers rather than me speaking with you directly because we can address more topics within each show doing that than we can with traditional calls. All right, then. Well, first up is Jimmy. He says, I've procrastinated getting term life insurance and don't know if now is a good time given the circumstances. I'm 44. I'm in good health and my job is stable for now. Well, that's a sobering thought, isn't it, Kim? And we've had a lot of people post questions about life insurance that we'll get to day by day. So applying for life insurance normally is a process that takes about a month to go from applying to when a policy is issued. There are issuers that we have listed on Clark.com that do instant issue term life insurance. And what they do is they do uh, computerized checks on you and believe that they can know as much as they need to about you in the overwhelming percent of cases. If they're able to find the data they need to know enough about your medical history and prospects, they instant issue the life insurance. Now, I'm going to take a second to explain the basics of term life insurance because getting any other kind of life insurance right now is likely a non-starter because of the enormous human involvement that's required with normal life insurance. So with term life insurance, You can buy where you buy typically for a period of years at a set premium, usually 10, 15, 20, or 30 years. So you buy coverage for a term, level term. Most typically at 44, you would look at buying a 20-year level term insurance policy that would cover you for the remaining of your working lifetime. Now, there are insurers that may be afraid to write policies right now. But as a general rule, they have calculated the risk levels involved with coronavirus, even if it plays uh, worse than people might want to imagine. And they've been able to sufficiently calculate risk at most insurers. So you will be able to quote and buy policies, I think, without too much difficulty right now. And if you go look at my guide to buying level term life insurance, you'll know how to go about it, how to proceed to purchase it. Joel? Clark Lindsay said, why would my mortgage lender sell my loan to another company during a pandemic? I have an almost five-year payment history, perfect payment history. And so what does this mean for me? It means very little for you. Loans are routinely sold. And I don't know if there's any coronavirus reason or if it's just a coincidence that your loan was sold right in the middle of the pandemic. But you have the right in the notice you've received, as you'll see, to continue to pay to your old mortgage lender for up to two months or to start paying now to the new mortgage lender. In either case, you are considered to be on time with the loan. If you have lost your job and you're not able to make your mortgage payments, if your loan is like most people's loans, underwritten indirectly or directly by the federal government, you'll have the right to notify your new servicer 
and tell them that you are unemployed and that you are not going to be able to make your payments and as federal law permit as federal regulation permits it's not a law you want to be able to go into forbearance for x number of months lenders are ramping up for this a lot of times the people who are answering the phones are working remotely they are not as well briefed as they should be but it may require more than one phone call and continual follow-up if there is a problem with you paying your loan but the sale of servicing on your loan likely is a freak occurrence coincidence and not a result of what lenders are facing with coronavirus kim all right so two questions here same topic this is lindsay and lynn both wanting you to address what's going on with bookit.com supposedly they filed for bankruptcy and ran off with everyone's money yes so bookit.com was a smaller travel um, wholesaler, if you will. And people would book a lot of times resorts with them, pay them for the booking, and then people have shown up at resorts and the money never came. Book it has vanished. Your money has vanished. And you're out the money. The resorts are out the money. And book it has flown the coop. So you don't have rights under trip insurance, typically, about the missing money, depending on the policy. If you had a trip insurance policy, that is not necessarily going to protect you from book its default. But depending on when you booked your travel, if you paid by credit card, you will have a right to dispute the charge and that you did originally with book it and that may be your best path and best hope to getting your money back on the clark howard show right now we are taking your questions indirectly with our producers kim and joel asking your questions for you and now joel who do you have a question from clark got one from orlando he says my employer a small business asked me to go half time for half pay due to the coronavirus. So I agreed. Can I apply for reduced hours compensation, though? You mean from unemployment? Exactly. It is unclear yet, and it will depend on the final wording once we know what's in the third rescue bill from the Congress for coronavirus. If there is a provision to deal with hours being cut back instead of jobs being eliminated. So unless your state has implemented a procedure for that. You have to wait what the feds will do. Now, we have our guide to state unemployment compensation up on Clark.com and a more thorough guide with links to states as part of that story. So if you want to see if there's something in the interim, you can check there, but more likely it's going to depend on the final wording of what comes out of the Congress. Kim? All right. This is from Corey. I am enrolled in public service loan forgiveness and have a minimum monthly payment greater than zero. With the government now allowing borrowers to temporarily suspend their student loan payments for 60 days, should I forego paying the next couple of months in order to build myself an emergency fund? Or should I continue my payments as usual 
for fear that if those months don't count towards my requirement, I might lose this benefit. Right. So this is rock and hard place time because you're having to make a very difficult choice. And I would say that err on the side of going ahead and making the minimum payments required in order to maintain your accumulation of months towards public service loan forgiveness. This is different than a, than a normal question I would have about suspending payments on student loans, but it is so important with the public uh, service loan forgiveness program that you be able to document your 120 consecutive on-time payments. So unless your situation financially becomes so dire you can't make those minimum payments, I would say continue to make those. Joel? Clark Bryan says, is my money safe in a Vanguard money market account or should I move it to an online savings account right now? The ultimate safety is in an FDIC insured account. Although there's, with the federal backstop of money market mutual funds and municipal money market mutual funds, I think your money is safe as could be. But if you want to be extra safe, FDIC insurance would be best. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are our two websites. And at both sites, what we are focused on, hyper-focused right now, is providing you with the information you need as we adapt to most unusual times with a medical emergency leading to a financial meltdown. And I want to say something up front before I get into what I wanted to talk about right now, and that is I know there are times that you, a family member or friend, are going to feel down. You're going to feel anxiety. This is a time of uncertainty. And it's a time where it feels like, when is the sky going to clear? And we are human beings. And so we feel real human emotions. But we also have the ability to adapt to unexpected circumstances. And we will handle this better than we give ourselves credit for. There will be people who we love dearly who will be stricken with illness. And sadly, among those, there will be some that won't survive. But for the most part, we are going to be okay. Even people who become ill will recover. And our economy will recover as well. But it's going to be messy for a while from here to there. One of the problems we've had is we as a nation got caught flat-footed and have not been medically prepared. And so we're fighting from behind now to do that. It requires efforts at all levels from the federal government, state government, the medical industry, and then UFO efforts that can make a big difference. So the automakers play a role in this that who would have known? But a lot of the equipment that automakers have and a lot of the suppliers that work for automakers 
can modify some of their assembly processes and actually, with their suppliers, produce ventilators. Ventilators are going to be the difference between life and death for particularly older citizens and people with immunosuppression issues. And we have a massive shortage of ventilators. So both GM and Ford are working with their suppliers to try to go on a quote-unquote war footing to manufacture ventilators in cooperation with suppliers and get them into hospitals. Elon Musk, who always does his own thing, found 1,255 FDA-approved ventilators in China and flew them overnight to Los Angeles. And those 1,255 ventilators are, as we're speaking, on the way to hospitals in hard-hit California to be put to use. I think some of them also are going to Washington State, maybe. In addition, he is working on a very large supply of protective medical gear for hospital workers and other first responders. So we have this terrible, terrible shortage of gear, terrible shortage of testing equipment. We have a lot of things that are in extreme short supply. But we have the ability, when we have the will, we have the knowledge, that we will close these gaps. And the president has extraordinary powers from an obscure law that is 70 years old that is now being used for the first time to secure more medical equipment that requires industries to pivot to making that equipment for the United States, for the American people, and also requires that supplies needed to make that gear be diverted to that purpose from its original intended reasons. And this is necessary because the president has signaled that sooner rather than later, he wants people back to work. Now, the reality is, in order to do that, and do that without having a extreme loss of life in the United States, we have to have a regimen for testing individuals that is a uh, regular set up, not ad hoc, procedure for people to be tested, and then a systemized way when somebody does test positive for coronavirus, whether symptomless or not, that they are separated from the rest of us for the time to recover. And this is not, I need to say this as well. Now, again, we're going to get through this, and ultimately we're going to be fine. But the time period for this is longer than any of us would wish and because it will take a while for coronavirus to be defeated. There's not going to be an instant miracle drug, and there's not going to be an instant vaccine. So that's why, in order to protect the overall number of people in the United States, 
we have to have the kind of efforts that are underway by various companies changing what they do and how they do it to generate supplies of materials needed in order to treat and at base in order to separate those who can spread the virus to others. And that will be core and key to us getting society back to work and protecting the overwhelming number of Americans at the same time. Kim, who do you have a question from right now? And I should add, we're having Kim and Joel ask your questions instead of you asking directly to me so we can answer more questions each show. That is true. And this one is from Justin. As more and more food delivery and pickup options become the only option, has tipping etiquette changed? I want to do the right thing, but I just don't know what that would be. Typically, a counter interaction is very quick, but those people may have formerly been serving tables. But then again, delivery services might be third party. What are your thoughts? This is so difficult. Uh, You know, at, at restaurants that were originally set up very heavily takeout, this has caused not a huge change in their operations but for traditional sit-down restaurants that are trying to keep as many people employed as possible and do so with delivery you're right the deliveries are overwhelmingly being done by third-party services and you know could be uber eats or any of their competitors postmates there there gosh there must be half a dozen that have market share of significance and they're all hiring people like crazy so the tipping is heavily going to those third-party individuals now there's nothing wrong with that and in the restaurants themselves people who were tipped employees earning kim help me with this is it two dollars sixty cents an hour back in my day it was 213 but i would like to believe it went up 50 cents since then so obviously a restaurant owner who has a server who was a tip server and is now working getting meals together is no longer paying that individual just that tip minimum. They're paying them a new hourly wage, I would expect, because otherwise somebody would walk out the door. They're not going to work for $2 and change an hour. Joel? Yeah, Clark. Emily wrote in. She says, I've continued to invest in stocks as normal, although I'm starting to dabble a little bit in individual stocks. I recently purchased stock in Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Lines. So how confident are you in uh, individual stock investing and also investing in these two companies in particular? Well, investing in a leisure business like Royal Norwegian or their bigger competitor, Carnival, those three are very high-risk stock investments right now. And they had very, very successful businesses before coronavirus struck. What we don't know is it takes a while, and it could be 18 months to two years before coronavirus is squeezed out of the world, how willing people are going to be to book cruises over that period of time. So the initial period of shutdown will end, and then the cruises will continue. So as far as the survivability of the cruise lines that were remarkably successful businesses 
six weeks ago and now are basket cases, hard to know. So my thing with buying individual stocks and companies that because of the circumstance become high risk is this needs to be money that is the kind of money that if you lost it, you wouldn't lose sleep at night. For a general economic recovery investing now, it still leans very heavily towards index funds or their cousins, exchange-traded funds that own large numbers of companies across multiple industries, counting on an overall economic recovery. But the purchase of individual stocks is much more, uh, I wouldn't call it a gamble, but it's much more speculative now because of the uncertainty who the ultimate survivors are going to be following the recovery from coronavirus. Kim? Hey, so I have a question here from Beverly, but she went on to tell a lot of her specific stories, so I am going to paraphrase and apologies to Beverly. Basically, she lives in Florida. She has been told that she is stuck in the house for 10 days. She's not sure of information that she's getting. And when she looks on like her community next door page, there's people who want to help her and have like listed her address. Like we want to bring you food. And she's so afraid because she doesn't actually know her community well enough to know if these people are trying to scam her. Oh, I'm really, really sorry about your fear of people that would take advantage. And there will be scamsters. There will be people who uh, do harm others. But for the most part, I'm finding a generosity in people, especially for their neighbors, that is really heartwarming. So if you have neighbors who are worried about you, and want to drop off food or something like that, I think you should be gracious and accept that that kindness that is coming from others. So I hear you about your concern, but I think this is a case where take baby steps. Somebody wants to bring you dinner and drop it off at your door, thank them through the door, maybe not open it because you need to keep that safe distance. But that kind of kindness is what we have in us, and I would accept it. Joel? Clark Michael says, I have a small emergency fund saved of $4,000, but I also have some debt, like medical bills and school loans. Uh, should I burn all of the emergency funds to pay down that debt now? No. Or should I keep it intact? Keep it intact. Um, medical bills, sorry to say this to doctors, hospitals, other medical providers, those have got to wait is for student loans. If they're federal student loans, you have the right to not make payments now for a period of time that's yet to be determined. There will be no interest charged on federal student loans. Private student lenders are doing nothing for people at this point, although that may change in the weeks ahead. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here on the Clark Howard Show, if you have a question for me right now, go to Clark.com slash ask, post your question, and then producers Kim and Joel are asking your questions for you, and Kim is up now. Scott wants to know, he says, if I am self-employed... Am I eligible for unemployment? I left my teaching job last summer and now work as a tutor. Great question. And it appears, although we won't know for sure, probably for another one to two days, that in the expansion of unemployment compensation that the Congress has come up with, there looks like there's going to be some level of unemployment compensation for people that are independent contractors, self-employed, and gig workers. Now, I'm hedging on this because until I can read the final wording, I can't say that for certain. But normally under state unemployment compensation laws, you would not be eligible, but these are not normal circumstances. On the other hand, you will receive, even if you are not eligible for unemployment, you will receive the $1,200 that is going to go out to most Americans and as to when that money will actually be in people's accounts, that won't be clear for several more days also. Joel? Clark, piggybacking on the unemployment theme, Brooke says, I'm 75, I collect Social Security, but I also work. If I lose my job, am I eligible then to collect unemployment? My understanding is that, yes, you will be, even though you are a Social Security recipient, you are not working and you were, so you will, as I understand it, be eligible. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I have a brief guide at Clark.com to filing for unemployment compensation with links to filing online with all 50 states. The only way really to file right now is online. And you can go ahead and file based on the loss of the job. And it will be up to the state to decide that you are not eligible. But my understanding is I know of no reason why you being a Social Security recipient would make you ineligible for the unemployment compensation. Kim? Chris wants to know, do you happen to know what is going on with the prison population? I heard they may have a lot of sick people and also that some people are being released early. Both are true. And this has happened in other countries as well, that as coronavirus has spread in the prison populations, that uh, there have been decisions made in different jurisdictions to release prisoners early, concentrating on people convicted of nonviolent crimes. Uh, What you're not going to see is you're not going to see people that are the most dangerous offenders released because of coronavirus. You'll see people who are serving nonviolent drug offenses and things like that that will likely be released early in order to not increase the spread of coronavirus 
among a captive population like a prison population. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. And we as a country have a lot of divides that get a lot of coverage, a lot of publicity. But I believe out of adversity like this can come something really positive. And that is there's going to be a huge need for us to volunteer to help others in so many different capacities, so many different ways. You know, even though we don't have it together yet, we're going to hopefully, in a matter of weeks, get to where we have an ongoing regimen of testing available in the United States. And if examples from other countries play out here, we will need a large number of volunteers to go through basic medical training and then be available as force multipliers to be part of doing the testing regimens. In many cases, it will be as simple as being a temperature taker because one of the silent things with coronavirus is somebody walking around not feeling symptoms but carrying a fever and doing constant monitoring of people's temperatures as they enter any kind of public sphere is going to be part of the equation even when we come out of these semi-lockdowns going on in various places in the country. We're going to need people to be trained in how to administer the tests. We're going to need people who are going to be able to deliver food. I saw something yesterday about needing people to deliver meals on wheels to people that are stranded in their homes and need food to eat. They're out of food in their pantries. There are so many different capacities beyond what I can even think of right now that we are going to be able to step up and we're going to be able to make a difference. You know, we as a country are always so much stronger together than we are when we break down into groups that distrust each other. This is a time in American history that we need to rise above the political culture that has infested our nation and instead draw on what's always been so great about us is when the chips are down, that we as Americans are there for each other. So use your imagination. Think of ways that based on your skills, your prior volunteer experience, your training, or your education, where you can have an impact. A lot of these efforts are only going to require your time. But in terms of doing things, if you're involved in helping with any of the ancillary medical functions that we may need 
force multiplier for in the United States. Those are ones that will be through uh, organizations that will see to you being trained properly so that you are safe and the person that you're aiding is safe as well. The kind of things that I'm anticipating are things that will emerge in the month of April where those that are on the front lines will be suffering from extreme exhaustion and we the American people are going to have to rise up and be of help to each other. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. So one of the areas that I'm getting a lot of questions posted for me concerns student loans because Americans carry $1.5 trillion in student loans. That is an unbelievable amount of debt that students have on their student loans. And the reality, a lot of people were wheezing on those loans already. And now with coronavirus, there are lots of new efforts available to help people deal with their student loan balances. And I want to tell you how this works. First of all, it is only for federal student loans. Private student loan borrowers, I have not been able to find or doing anything to help people at all. But fortunately, almost all of the $1.5 trillion in student loan debt is federal. There are a shocking almost 45 million Americans who owe on federal student loans. So there's no interest accruing right now on student loans for an undetermined period of time. So your loans are no longer accruing any interest. And if you are current on your student loans or not late on them beyond 30 days, you're eligible for repayment suspensions right now where you will not have to make student loan payments as of right now for a couple of months depending on how long it takes for coronavirus to play out i assume those suspensions will be expanded it is for virtually every federal loan of virtually every type made since 2010 and so you have to know whether or not your loans are available, reaching somebody to talk to them about this is going to be very difficult. So you're going to find probably the best information at your loan servicer's website. And if I didn't say this applies both undergraduate and graduate, Stafford loans and parent and graduate student loans under the Federal PLUS loans program. So it's pretty much the waterfront of almost all federal student loans. And in fact, remember, even though right now it's a two-month suspension and a holiday from interest, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have to make those payments eventually. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.